I'm unapologetically fly. I don't wonder why, that's just my attitude. Yeah. Okay, hey, that's just my. Uh, 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 come on. I mean, the nice thing about this is the thing and we'll get right into this shit and because we might as well just keep talking. Um, that's what I think everybody's been so pissed about sports is that when 2020 happened and sports uh, finally got going again, even without fans, so many people looked for it for an outlet. Right. We wouldn't like finally I get I get something besides news uh the fear mongering that's coming from the news like i finally get something else to watch where i can kind of unplug detach or whatever and then sports became political and it's like oh my god now it's like you know you in in the nba was like the worst they had all the slogans on the jerseys and like every um every player apparently now had a uh a a well thought out opinion about what was going on in the world i'm I'm like and and it's like like do you even pay attention to this shit like do you even know what you're talking about and uh, but it was so obvious that it was it was mo- and honestly, like I'm not one of those people and I'd love to get your guys's input, like your opinions on athletes having a opinion. <laughs> like what's what is your opinion on athletes having an opinion? Are you guys for that against it? Do you not care? Do you think they, they have the right to to also, you know, I guess, state their their perspectives? Well, how do you guys feel about that? Because I know oh, some people I- get pissed off about it. <laughs> I, I can answer this from a place, surprisingly, and maybe the first time I can answer this from a place of expertise as the a co-owner of a sports media training company, have been since 2000, um, that gets athletes, pro athletes ready to interact with the media. Now, these days, it's normal. Like, of course, this is going on. But I'm sitting in the NBA's office on Fifth Avenue going... Trying to explain to Brian McIntyre, the vice president of communication for the NBA, that they that they need. I'm trying to explain to him the concept of media training. He had no idea what I was even talking about. The fact that maybe your athletes that keep getting microphones put in front of their face should be as prepared for that as they are to shoot free throws. Blank look on his face. Had no fucking idea what I was talking about, and. And, and so we started working with Pete Sampras. That was our first, our first client, one of the best tennis players ever. We've gone on to have, I, I mean, I can't even remember all the first round picks we have. I mean, it's easier to just say the, the, the number of number one overall picks in NFL, hockey, basketball. You know, we've, we've got, a, our client list is massive. And I would sit down with these guys and try to explain to them like what the situation with the media actually is. This is part of the reason why I hate the media so much. In all of my macroaggression stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm just massively against the mainstream media. And part of that comes from watching what they'll do to these young athletes that don't know any better. They'll lure you in with this false sense of, hey, we're just buddies and everything. I mean, well, the first comment I would make to these guys is nothing is off the record. Just understand these guys in the media are not your friends. Nothing is off the record. If you say, if you talk shit about someone, one of your coaches or one of your players to one of these guys in the media and it's off the record, it's on the record. It's going to be talked about. So I think that these guys, you know, listen, they have opinions. Some of them are really smart. But the common denominator that we had for our clients was that they were most of them, not, not every one of them, obviously, but 
the vast majority of them were smart enough to know that they didn't know at all. And they were working towards being smarter. So like we had the, like the guys that we had as clients were the guys that didn't need it all that, ba- all that much, but wanted to be excellent at it. And the guys that needed it, like Shaquille O'Neal, I'm talking to his agent and I'm going, Leonard, we got to get like Shaq on the program. And he's like, I know he won't do it. He thinks he's great on camera. I'm like, he mumbles. And he's like, I know. So, so you've got like, the media is, you know, it's a, it's a double-edged sword with these guys. You play the game right and they can take you to Ronaldo type levels, right? Where you're an international known everywhere in the world because of the media you fuck up though you'll be known everywhere because of the media too so you have to be very careful these guys that that start to wade into politics and start talking about that man my advice to them would be don't because anything you say can and will be used against you by the by the press um if you want to talk sports, talk sports. If you want to get, you know, if you want to have develop personal relationships with the reporters, that's fine. I would come in and just, I would lay out pictures of all these guys. I'd say, this is this guy. This is this person. This is who they work for. You know, like, you know, we're like, this is where they were. This guy's cool. This guy's cool. This guy's a dick. Watch out for this lady. She seems nice, but she, you know, so you have to prepare these guys for what they're going to go through when it comes to politics. You, I mean, first of all, Michael Jordan once said it when they asked him, why are you, why are, why, why are you so like, uh, why don't you come out and, and talk shit about Republicans? And his response was because Republicans buy sneakers too. And so you have to be very careful if you're um, merchandising yourself as a professional athlete, meaning you've got shoe deals, you've got m- merchandise deals, you've got likeness deals, you, you get all these, all these things. You have to be very careful that you don't step on a political landmine and blow up your own merchandising deals too. So there's money involved in this too. The best case of the, the best advice I can give these guys would be don't talk about any of this stuff, especially to the press and especially on social media. And mind you, when I was running this company with my partner, he this was pre-social media. And it was and and so I didn't have. I didn't ever talk to the guys about the social media stuff because I was gone from the company uh, at that point. But 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 the same goes for anything I say about politics. Same goes for social media. Just like it's a double edged sword. You get a lot of followers that you can monetize that you can make them buy your shoes and all that stuff. You say one wrong thing. You've got 80 million people calling you a dickhead. So so they have to be very careful. Yeah, we got it in the UK. The, the funny thing is, the, the, the probably the most famous conspiracy theorist on our planet is um, was a former goalkeeper of a a, <laughs> a, a very well known goalkeeper um, and a very and he also hosted the main sports um, and football and snooker commentary uh, show um, in the world at the time. Obviously, it was centered around the UK. So snooker's the probably the biggest in the UK. Um, football, obviously, at the time. 90s late 80s so David Icke was a goalkeeper he was from the sports background and then in the media so it's bizarre he's come from that to to being probably the most well-known conspiracy theorist on the planet at the moment or infamous and um so that's a strange and also we're having now obviously all of these players dropping another one 33 30 year old lad I think it was 33 year old or 30 year old lad dropped dead today in a um, um I don't know where it was well I actually just, just posted it on David's website um, and so we're having all these people 
keeling over on the football pitch and, and other sports. And then Trevor Sinclair used to be a footballer here. He came out and spoke out against it. People are trying to speak out against it and they're getting absolutely rammed left, right, centre by the mainstream media whilst working within the mainstream media. Um, so they're getting pulled down, but I think it's getting to desperate measures now where they're just thinking, I don't really care now. So we're seeing that fall down here. We get people like Gary Lineker, who most people would know, he's a very well-known sports presenter. He he, he presents our, our um, match of the day, um, England star, a legend, but he's let himself down massively. And um, he's very, very much on the mainstream, very, very much talking along these lines, but he he will know deep down that there's something desperately wrong here. So it's whether he finds the courage. And the thing I'm, I'm, I'm most disappointed about Gary Nicker is that his son was incredibly ill. I was in hospital at Great Ormond Street at the same time his son was, when I was about 10. Um, but his son was in, and I think it was with, I, I, I don't know whether it was leukemia or cancer or something along those lines. And I, you feel like he should know better than to just jump on these things when the kids start getting involved. So they're tar- starting to speak out. All of that Black Lives Matter stuff, the kneeling stuff, faded out in the summer of last year, phased out. I don't know whether they do it anymore. I haven't seen them. Maybe they do. Um, but that stuff was insane. That was ridiculous. A lot of them refused to do it. Um, but again, you've seen they're trying to merge everything. And then during all of this, that was our bread and circuses, wasn't it? Our sport. And they just took that away from us which was a bit of a dumb move really because if you're going to take everything away from us then we're going to start turning on the people that take it away from us that just gives me a sign of these people that are doing this stuff aren't particularly bright and their days are numbered i believe i don't know what you guys think how it is where you are but in the uk it's i call it scribble scramble there really are a bunch of nut jobs desperately trying to hold on to this at the moment one thing i loved was when uh during the height of the lockdown, they weren't letting fans in the stadiums yet for the Premier League games. And this was after the Super League uh, whole debacle thing. And the Man U fans, this is like during the lockdown. They're like, I know we don't let you're not going to let us in, but fuck it, we're going in anyways. And they went into the stadium to protest. And there was like hundreds of Man U fans in the stadium, a stadium that didn't have fans for forever, for months because of uh, the lockdown. And um and football was bigger than whatever you know danger that the, the government was telling them that they would be in if they gathered, and it's it's funny because it's I've always looked at like sports as one of those things as like oh you know it's kind of like meaningless entertainment right like playing it and stuff there's definitely some as a, a kids growing up there there's benefits you know you learn how to be a good teammate you you uh, learn how to uh, get along with others, all that stuff and hard work pays off and all those, those life lessons. But then as an adult, you're like, Oh, you know, I'm, there's all this real crazy stuff going on all over the world. There's history. There's all this stuff that, that is uh seem like it's a better um, just time spent looking into that than watch watching sports. But then you start appreciating it. Like, okay, you need to disconnect from time to time. And, um, and then you always, I always had these like second thoughts about fanatics, like the fans, you know, you, in the UK, you would hear about it. Like, you know, you don't go into this bar with an Arsenal mm-hmm. Jersey. You don't go into that, you know, um, you know, uh, a bar with whatever Jersey. And, uh, but I almost feel like it's those fanatics that might, uh, people who think that like sports are more important than anything. They're the ones who, who can kind of get rid of the illusion that we're in a pandemic because they're because in the uk i remember i did uh, a show years ago on um on sports conspiracies with a uh, uh, brian tui and i think i had somebody else on the show at the time too 
And uh, and we're talking about a little bit about football and how in the UK specifically, like politicians know not to fuck with the Premier League because it's bad for politics. Like you don't want fans or uh, of the Premier League to turn on you. So sometimes when there's scandals or corruption, they might not be outspoken about it or say anything about it because they you know they want to be neutral on that stuff. And I'm like, well, that that's kind of what we need. Like we almost need uh, sports to be bigger than anything like the Super Bowl was in the U S to kind of make people think like, wait, how the hell are they letting all these people gather? And there's not local hospitals filling up. There wasn't a a huge story about all the deaths that were um, caused by this huge Super Bowl gathering, this huge event. Uh, And you almost need people who are willing to take those steps, uh, you know, and, and really disregard any 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 fear or danger because they're like no no we have to get sports back and uh so in a way i almost think like those fanatics it's a good thing i mean look what dana white did where she he, he's like i don't fuck the pandemic i want to get the ufc up and going again and he's just you know he was the first one to say he's like listen we can't be locked up forever we need to get our you know these things going i'm like in a way you're like oh you know there's things more important than sports but in another way it's like if you need somebody who who it, if you're looking for someone who who is willing to to risk um you know public b- backlash uh you need somebody who is that ballsy and cares only about getting his his product back on TV so it's um you know i think there's pros and cons to it uh in regards to to um athletes having opinions do you guys feel like it's because i know charlie you were saying it's obviously bad for for uh for your own career if you if you piss people off and and like you said michael people always want michael jordan to use his voice for good but if a guy's not politically aware what's going on or it's he just cares about basketball i don't have anything against somebody who's like that he's great because he his obsession isn't geopolitics or current events his obsession is is basketball and just because he has a power of a voice doesn't mean he would use it correctly if he hasn't been aware of what the hell's going on in the world because he's been obsessed with the sport. But I do think like somebody like Kyrie Irving, who, you know, and, and others who, who's been outspoken, like it's I'm glad that some people do use their voice for good and when and, and are to, to, I guess, share opinions and share their perspectives on the world because you do have a lot of followers and you are a influencer. But I, I think that so you shouldn't. You shouldn't do you shouldn't be outspoken just because you have a lot of followers. You should be outspoken because you have a well thought out opinion and perspective and you actually have something interesting to share. What do you guys think? Do you think that like, you know, that it, athletes just because they're athletes, they they should shut their mouths or, you know, because Charlie, that's interesting. You're like, I know it's bad for the career, but are because of that, do you do you still think like if you have something that could be uh, beneficial to say something, you know, where you could influence uh, a young crowd who who looks up to this person. Should they use that, or do you think like, well, fuck it for your career, you shouldn't say anything, and you know, or should you say, are some things bigger than your career, right? Like, are you? It depends on your level of understanding of what you're talking about. So, like when Jonathan Isaac from the Orlando Magic came out talking about the anti-vaccine thing, and he sat there at that press conference very calmly and rationally unpacked the vaccine debate debate in a way that made perfect sense, was logical, anchored in actual science, not bullshit science. And he calmly and rationally laid that argument out 
it was genius. It was brilliant. Kyrie Irving, again, Kyrie Irving wants to be involved in social changes more so than he wants to be involved in social changes in his basketball career allows him the platform to, to do that. So I can see, I can see some of these guys going off and having um, impactful careers off of the court because their interests are much more than just sports. And I love that. And I encourage that, but, but they know, or they will know Kyrie knows for sure that when you have an unpopular opinion in today's hyper-polarized media landscape and you go against the established narrative, you will be attacked. So look, I am, I am free speech. I am speak your mind. I want all of those things for everybody not just uh, professional athletes or, or, or just podcasters or whatever, but, but I, I, it's important for them to know the deal before they start going down that path. Because the minute you do that, you put a target on your head. You're, it's like, you're going to have half of, well, I don't know half, but you're going to have a segment of the audience hate you automatically because you are saying something that goes against their, like if they're pro COVID wearing two masks, triple vaxxed and ready for another booster. And Jonathan Isaac comes out and lays out that argument in a calm, rational thing. They're going to call him an anti-science conspiracy theorist, anti-vaxxer and an idiot. And they're going to hate him and boo him forever for as long as they remember him just because of that, because they're not on that team. So, so guys like that, they speak your mind but just know that, that there are strings attached. And when it comes to, like, it's one thing for us uh, to, to say, you know, we could lose our Twitter channel or, you know, we, our, our, our YouTube channels or our Twitter uh, accounts and all these things. These guys can lose a lot of money doing this. There, so there's a huge financial component to it. So, so I can understand the incentivization for these guys to keep their mouth shut during their playing career, because nothing good comes from talking out and, and putting a big target on your, on your back. But if you're somebody that's real thoughtful, like Kyrie Irving is, I mean, you can disagree with him for sure, but he's thinking about this. I know people go, well, he's the flat earth guy and everything. Look, he's examining established narratives and established truths and he's checking them again to see if they're actually true. So I, I, I like that. Even if you know, I'm not on the flat earth team, but I, I, I like people checking everything to make sure. So I, I like that. But don't pretend for a second that people are going to forget that he's the flat earth guy. And, when they, and then when he has something to say that's rational and logical and maybe a little bit more anchored in, in facts, like the vaccine thing, they're going to drag that flat earth thing and throw it in your face. So you have to be aware of that too. So, so it's like, I want, I want, I want the guys to talk out provided that they know what they're talking about and provided that they understand fully that they will be ganged up on by the mainstream media because they expose a huge flaw in the media narrative and they can't have that so that they'll try to do is just shut you up instead so just know the consequences that's all yeah i remember the the most classic one would be muhammad ali wouldn't it 
where he spoke about, I'm not going to go to war. And this yeah. was a time when were, that was incredibly unpopular. And he was probably the most famous person on the planet at the time. Yeah. And that's why he became a legend. And people seem to think it was his boxing that became that, that he was a legend for. It wasn't just the boxing. And that was a really small part of it. He probably would have been a, a very, very famous boxer. But it was not going to war and standing up for his principles. And he lost everything. And there was a time where he had to go and do speaking tours, even do theatre tours. And he had no money. And some of the, his people that he beat, they came along and some of the, uh, the opponents that he actually beat and he was friends with, gave him money at a time when he didn't. Eventually, after a long period, he, he got his boxing license back, missed his whole, um, his prime, completely missed his prime. But then he won the world championship back three times, twice after that, I believe. Um, that's what made him a legend because he goes, oh, fuck you, I ain't doing it. I'm not going. You take everything away from me. I'm not going and I'll come back and I'll win it back. That's give me goosebumps. That's what's made him a legend. That's what made David Icke a legend. Not because because he stuck with it for so long. I don't agree with everything David says. Um, I, I don't have to. That's not <laughs> you're not supposed to. But sticking with something and being brave enough to go, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not doing that. that's wrong. And this is why I think Ricky was was pretending to earlier. Um, that's my big word that I've learned recently. Um, the you were talking about that heart of the British. Um, the English football fan that had that tribal, I'm going to fight for this. It doesn't really mean much, but it means a lot for me. And that's where I'm going to put my heart and, in. And that's been beaten out of men specifically. And in the UK, and they've, they've banded these people up as, as football hooligans and that. And you're taking a small percent of people that are. But actually, most of it was was fire and pride and being able to take your kid to the game and get involved in something tribal. And that's what they've turned this tribalism against us. And now you've got the unvaxxed and the vaxxed and they're trying to just clack these together. But the unvaxxed, this is what I, the people that haven't taken this and haven't taken any are the ones with the courage and the bravery right now to go, fuck you. No, nope, fuck you. No, nope, fuck you. No, nope, not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm doing it. They're the Muhammad Ali's of, the, of today because eventually you'll be, I believe we will be proven right. I know we'll be proven right. This is the way it goes every single time. Every single time. The downtrodden, the ones that prove mad, you're an idiot, you're a weirdo. Time always just defeats that. And, it, and you guys know that. You, I know you guys know that. That's where the bravery comes. You stand in the headwinds and you go, I'm not doing it. It's wrong. I'm not doing it. I'm not setting my kids up to have a vaccine they don't want. To have something in their body that they don't want in the future. I'm not, I'm not going to be part of that. Do what you like. Call, call me what you like. Sticks and stones, mate. And that's names. I don't care what you call me. Where did that actually start matter to grown men and grown women? You don't care. I left that thing. At the, <laughs> you left that in the playground. Call me what you like. Put whatever label you want on me you like. I'm still not doing it. And I think that's what you were talking about, Ricky, that, that heart of these people to go, I believe this is right. And Muhammad Ali, I think, epitomized that when he did that for me. That's what made him a legend. And he... And later on in life, when he had Parkinson's and he lost everything that he really was, and it went in the shell, and that became kind of like this very, even more of a fight. That was his big fight of his life. But he stood up for what he believed in, and he didn't do it. And then he came back. And I do believe that that's what we all see. And it's easy. I think what we've done as conspiracy theorists, and that's why I can't classify myself as, as a video producer, filmmaker, but I'm a conspiracy theorist is that we've been right about these things for a very, very long time when everyone's telling us an idiot. And actually, oh dear, now they've got microchips in kids for COVID in, in Sweden. Oh, they didn't say that a year ago. We were idiots for that. How many idiot things have been ticked off the list before you go, 
uh, there's no more idiot things on the list. And that's what the headwind that we've had to had to sit through for the last probably 10 years of doing this. And we will have to continue, but we are being proven right bit by bit by bit. The great thing is, is that we have had all the all of this stuff that these guys are afraid to do. We took it at the start and just went, OK, you're going to call me an idiot. Now we that doesn't matter. You can't get any more insults. We've been we've had this for 10 years. This ain't new for us. So we've kind of we can't really lose in this because we just stick to our principles because we've already had all the, the rubbish and all the people telling us we're idiots and telling us we're insane and telling us we're weird. And we keep getting proven right and right. And not in every single thing and exactly how we say it, but the vast, but the overall scope of what we're talking about is usually pretty close. And we're telling you people, you're going to end up like they are in, in various parts of China. It's going to be a technocracy. This is what's happening. We'll tell you again and again, and it might not be when we're alive, but it will be somewhere down the line that our kids will talk about. Dad used to speak about that. Granddad used to talk about these weird things. Look where we are now. That's what you live for. That's what that's what makes you a legend. That's what keeps your keeps you alive. It's the stories that the kids and the grandkids tell about it years down the line. Mark, Michael Jackson's a legend because you'll still hear about him a hundred years time. Muhammad Ali's a legend because you'll still about hear about him a hundred time. David Icke will be a legend because you'll still hear about him a hundred years time. And what we're doing, people will talk about in a hundred years time. Because it might not be in our lifetime, but we don't live for our lifetimes. I think we've all got kids. We live for our kids. Do you know what I mean? So we, we, we the bravery is now, but it, we don't reap the awards. We reap the awards is knowing that we did our best for our kids down the line. And I, I think that everyone who's standing in the headwind of this right now is going to come out at the back end of it, an incredibly powerful person. And they're the people that Ricky was talking about earlier. They're afraid of the five percent of the world, the ten percent of the world that go nah. Not having it, not having it. They're terrified of that. That's why they hide behind all these things. That's why they put all these barriers in place. And um, I know what you're saying about these people need to be careful and they've got a lot to lose. But when does it come to, Charlie, to the point where your kids are more important than the next bit of money? Because you're going after my kids with a with a experimental jab right now. And where does it get any more serious than that? I can't think of anything else. I really can't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I look, I, I want prominent people to start talking about this for, because for whatever reason, we through the media over the years have been conditioned to think that famous people's opinions somehow Mm. matter a little bit more. They have a little bit more emphasis. Um, I don't, I don't know, but we, maybe we project that, oh, they must know something we don't know, or they're around people that know something more than we know or whatever. But for some reason, their opinions matter more. Um, I, and, and so I just want to make sure that when those people are speaking out, that they know what they're talking about. Like that, like that Jonathan Isaacs guy, I can mention him from the Orlando magic. When he went up there and dropped that information on everybody, there was no place for anyone to go with it. It was said, nobody, nobody even tried to follow up and push back because he was making no. such a logical sense. Right. So if you can do that, do that mm. all the time. But I've also been around a lot of these guys too. And most of them can't do that. So for the ones that can't do that, what they can do 
is actually be quiet because they, they might not be helping themselves or this cause if they're sort of half-assing it or, you know, or, or whatever. So, so make, I, I want to make sure that the, the Muhammad Ali's of the world, those are people that had like this amazing sense of right and wrong. And that's desperately missing. I think from from traditional society. So maybe if you're if you're somebody and you don't have all the ins and outs of the details, but you just have a good idea of what's right and wrong, and you and you in and you see that the coercion that's happening, you I correctly identify that as wrong, no matter what it is. That might be good enough for them to just come out and say, "Listen, I don't know the ins and outs of all of this, but what I do notice is I, I'm I'm feeling authoritarian tendencies here from all these people, and I'm being told that there's certain things I can't say and can't talk about, and that's a problem." So they can they can, you know, like you you can still speak out against this and and prominent people need to speak out against this cuz like i said for, for whatever reason it, it carries weight but make sure that you have your shit to other and you know exactly what you're talking about you can you can verbalize it in a way that uh, opponents know where to go with it. Because if you leave them a little bit of a crack, they will be completely dishonest in how they portray you. They will take your words out of context. They will say that you are something that you're not. They'll start to question your credentials. They'll do all the shitty things that they do to everybody, but they'll do it to you because you're just a dumb basketball player. Shut up and dribble the ball. You know, they'll, they'll do shit, stuff like that. Well, it's hard to say shut up and dribble the ball when the guy just broke down COVID for you in a way that nobody else has. <laughs> it's hard to tell that guy to shut up because that guy gets it. But not all the guys are like that. So it's like, let's make sure I want people to be outspoken about this. But 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 if it's if it's up to me, I'd like to I'd like to make sure that we have the best of the best, because if you give these fuckers in the mainstream media any sort of crack in the facade, they will attack it. They will go after it and say, oh, I'll try to discredit you with all the dirty tricks that they use. And, and for a guy that is just used to shutting up and dribbling the basketball, they may not be prepared for something like that. Um, they're used to getting questions. And like, I, like I, I had this conversation with Carmelo Anthony, right? When he won the, the, the Syracuse national championship and the, in 2003, and then he was he was going pro. So it was in this weird in-between time. We were working with him on media stuff, and he was just getting ready to go. We're, he was in L.A. with us, and he was getting ready to go to do Jim Rome show that afternoon. And I said, do you know who Jim Rome is? He says, no, I don't. I said, all right, well, let me ex I explain to you who this is. We were asking him questions about things. And he said, nobody's ever asked me questions about anything other than basketball. And I was like, what? Like, it was heartbreaking to mm. me and it occurred to me nobody gives a shit what his opinion is about anything except basketball and so when you get off of that when you're known for your basketball and then you start to diverge a little bit into this other stuff there's a segment of society that will tell you to shut up and dribble you know not an educated uh segment but 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 a large segment so these guys need to understand that there there's a there's a consequence that comes with that and if you're ready for it and you can handle it then go for it but don't act surprised when the woke mob comes f for you because they come for everyone that 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 stands up against them. Well, I'm consistent because I'm not uh, to me like every athlete, regardless. Well, every person, like you said, regardless what you do do for a living, should uh, should have the right to have a opinion. I mean, I'm going to have a problem with a un 
educated opinion, regardless if it comes from an athlete or if it comes from an engineer or a doctor or a construction worker. Like, you know, when when people say, oh, shut up and dribble, usually they say that because they disagree with the athlete. If the athlete was saying something they agree with, they would be like, yeah, good, good for him for speaking out. So, right. you know, when um, and you and you saw it uh, both times in, in past uh, uh, presidencies when Obama was in office, you saw people that uh, wouldn't, you know, athletes that didn't want to go to the White House and counting on where, what side you're on, you're either uh, happy about that or angry about it. Same thing with Trump. And it's just like, you know, to me, like everybody should have a right to their opinion. If you're an athlete or if you're a whatever, it doesn't matter. I mean, I've talked to factory workers who have well um, you know, just well thought out opinions on on history, on whatever, you, you know, they might be a factory worker, but maybe they're a Vietnam vet, you know, maybe they're, um, you know, maybe they have, uh, uh, they came from another country, and they lived in, uh, you know, through dictatorships or communism or whatever, you know, so you never know people's life experiences, you never know what books they've read, uh, you know, other influences they have in their lives. So, you know, what they do for a living, to me, has nothing to do with, you know, uh, uh, how valid their opinions are. Their opinions is what, you know, tells me if they should be valid or not. Like how well thought out is your opinion? Is it backed up by, uh, you know, well thought out perspectives and, and some research? And have you thought this out? If taken some time to actually uh, filter out the bad ideas to get to what you think are the good ideas. Like to me, that's what's important because at the end of the day, like, who am I? Like, why is, why does my opinion matter? I'm just, uh, you know, a Portuguese immigrant came to America. Like my story uh, is like many other people's stories. And I, I don't, I've never done anything that was that impressive. Maybe talking to you guys is the most impressive thing I've ever done. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, so it's like, who, who am I? But I, I think people connect with our shows and who we are because I think people appreciate the fact that when we share our perspectives, we, we one, we're being, we're being honest. Like it, it's a, a conclusion we've come to after some thinking and some pondering and, 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 um, and if we're telling you, this is what we believe it's because we truly believe it. it's not because we're playing to a party or playing to a, a tribal group. So uh, I think people appreciate that. And that's okay too. Like just, just admitting that you don't know shit, you know, there's nothing wrong with just saying you don't know and you're not sure. I'm always very wary of people who are super positive about their ideas and perspectives and seem like, you know, almost like cultish leader type of uh, uh, talking where just like, you're like, you don't have any doubts about your, you know, your thoughts or beliefs or anything. And you're sure of all, the, you know, it's just, I, I just think there's too much out there to know, to know it all. And, and there's, um, you know, our thinking should be the way it's similar to the way science should work. And that's like constantly being debunked. Like we, I, I think this is correct. And I found out, Oh shit, I didn't know about that. Or, Oh, I didn't know about this. You know, it's like, we, it should, there should be no, no um, truth with a capital T. It's like, things should always be evolving and, 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 um, recalculating stuff. So yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. I mean, even us ourselves, we're influencers, you know, speaking of our ideas and perspectives, like we're, we're influencing some percentage of the population. And I, I'm sure my ideas are wrong at times. I'm sure my perspectives change at times, but I think if it comes from a good place, if you truly are, are trying to find uh, the answers or the truth or whatever, you know, term you want to use. I think people, they'll be much more uh, okay with you being wrong. 
you know, it's, they're not going to be like, Oh, see, you're wrong. It's like, no, because they know that I was wrong. But at that time I truly was looking for answers and I just came to more and new information and, and that's okay too. But I think what Richard said too is really important is uh, if you just hold on, eventually the truth will come out. And I've told that the people, I have a buddy of mine who's like really just going back and forth. He's like, dude, I'm my job's giving me all these headaches about uh, being vaccinated. I'm like, dude, the longer you can hold on, just hold on. Cause I'm like a year ago. I mean, so many things that are now openly being discussed were, were being censored on every social media platform. And now people are openly accepting that. Yeah. Some people die from the vaccine before. I mean, a year and a half ago, people wouldn't even admit that. I mean, people wouldn't admit that there was any deaths that were directly linked to the vaccine. Now they're accepting that there's some deaths, but maybe it's less than COVID. And now, you know, and it's like little by little, it's like, if you just hold on, the truth is going to seep out. And people like Alex Jones and people like David Icke, people that years ago seemed like crazy people. Like, what are people saying about David Icke and Alex Jones now? Holy shit. Like all this uh, stuff that they were saying 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 15 or whatever, like that's all happening now. And they seem like the, the most uh, correct journalists slash, so, you know, alternative media people, uh, authors out there because they were just so ahead of their time. And to see all these things that seem absolutely crazy to the normal person, now we're living through it and we're living in it. I mean, people, I, I don't think people are looking at these, uh, these people like Alex Jones and David Icke in the same light anymore. I, I think they're looking at them like, hey, I made fun of Alex Jones for a long time. Not myself, but I'm saying that the average person is like, I made fun of Alex. But now when he talks, I might actually listen. And some of the stuff that seems way over the top, maybe I actually might look into it because some of the stuff that seemed too crazy before, you know, is all happening. So maybe the stuff that seems crazy now, like maybe this is, gonna, you know, that's going to happen too. So it's it's weird how it's all come around like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very strange, isn't it? I think... Um... Unpopular opinion, by the way, is a great name for a podcast. We've, definitely, someone should pick up on that. Unpopular opinions, because it's, it's easy to do that one. But I think you're right, and it, they do. Yeah, they do. Um, they have kind of come around to him. I think Alex kind of sometimes shoots himself in the foot. In my personal opinion, he'll do really well, and then he'll grab onto something like Reset Wars, or he'll do something like jump on the Trump train and then get off and not go. Do you know what? That was mad. He won't admit it. And I think he does himself a disservice there. Um, and when you're wrong, you're wrong. And many, um, many of David's early books, he talks about that he, he, he was thinking into areas that he no longer agrees with. Um, so we have to kind of go. But what I find strange is I think I listened to your, your Union Unwanted reason. It's a bit of a, a turning point. Like it doesn't hear, but when you had um, uh, Dr. Malone on and you had also Peter McCullough, I can never pronounce his last name. Yeah, Dr. Peter McCullough was McCullough. on the last one. Yeah. They, absolutely. They've done incredible work turning this around, I think, in the last two months. I think what those two guys done alone have really pivoted this whole scenario because you can't argue with them. You can't argue. You wouldn't be able to argue with Carrie Mullis if he was still alive. How can you ask argue with the guy who's invented the platform for mRNA? You, you can't. It's ridiculous. He invented it. Um, and you can't uh, so I think that they've done a great job. What I find really fascinating, you brought this up one of the, you guys um in the last unit and wanted was their their kind of unwillingness to go into there being a conspiracy behind this. I found that really interesting because it's so blatantly obvious. And I know they can't talk it, and you can hear in their voices that I think even Mal Dr. Maloney said it's becoming really, really difficult to say there isn't anymore. 
And it's like, just get over the edge because we need it to be over the edge here because this is clearly been, pla been planned for a very, very long time. And it's these people with this credentials, why are they not, do you guys think, listened to as much as someone who, Fauci, who has not treated a COVID patient ever and, and doesn't treat people regularly or or Bill Gates, who isn't even a medical practitioner and barely can keep his arms still. Why are them? They have they got some training, media training that's enabled them to speak in a way that people can just get the sound bites. Where these Malone and McCullin doesn't have that training. I sort of bring it back around to that because is there a way that these people can speak in a way that, are, that common people can understand, but also can take the weight of their ex clear experience and expertise behind it? Because why would you listen to a Fauci but not a Dr. Malone when he's invented the, the invented it? I don't understand that. Well, it's it's about media access. I mean, the media just yeah. says these these people are the trusted professionals and these people are not. If it were just based on on credentials, experience, expertise, and things like that, we would be listening to Dr. Robert Malone. And you know, I've had this conversation with with friends of mine. And they'll say, well, I'll say, you know, listen, these shots, they're, they're no good, man. They're no good. And my friend said, well, I mean, that's your opinion. Or I said, no, no. We had the guy who invented the fucking technology on our show telling us that the shots are no good. It's no longer my opinion. Yeah. It's his opinion. And he's the guy that invented it. Have you had the inventor of the mRNA technology on your show? No, you haven't. Well, maybe you maybe you should get a show and maybe invite him on and have him come down and break this down because the information's there. And this it's a real interesting psychological tactic that the media has done. They've 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 put a barrier up where if you even consider people outside of their little world, their little sphere of influence that Fauci group and everything. If you can, if you listen to anybody outside of that, you're anti-science, you're, you're, it's horse paced. It's, I mean, the, 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 the audacity of these people. And if we lived in like a normal society where we had, instead of five media companies, we had 50, like we've had back in the eighties, then you'd have a few of those that were poking holes in the official narrative. Obviously we know why there's not 50 media companies anymore. We understand why, but but if we did have that, then we would have the ability to poke some holes in this. So I think that right now, the, the mainstream corporate media is a small entity that's easy to control. It's not, you don't need to have 50 CEOs at Epstein's Island. You just need five. And I'm sure those five, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to entice them too much. This is, this, this is what they, this is their, their world. So they'll, they'll go to the Island voluntarily. So, so you really, what you find is that the amount of pressure points for controlling almost all of the mainstream media, very few, you just have to get a couple people saying a couple things and, 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 and that sets the narrative. And then you demonize and try to discredit and dehumanize anybody that says anything other than that with the, with the real easy tack, you know, the conspiracy theorists and all that. Now, if this is your first time going up against that sort of stuff, you may be like, I can't believe they're calling me a conspiracy theorist. And I can't believe they did this. And I can't believe they're so dishonest. And, you know, like Dr. Robert Malone's like, I can't believe they, they took down my, I, I can't believe they took down my LinkedIn. I'm like, I, I was I sent him a message saying the reason why they took down your LinkedIn is that Reed Hoffman, uh, the founder of of 
LinkedIn is one of the managing partners uh, of of uh, World Economic Forum. Like, <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? So, so the this is this is um, you know it. I have a dream, <laughs> like Martin Luther King. I have a dream that when we get past all of this COVID stuff, right, like a year or so, the the relationship that everybody has with the mainstream media is forever changed. Ours was changed years ago. We we don't believe anything they say. And I don't know that we'll get to a point where everybody shares our belief that everything the mainstream media says is a lie. But I do have this dream that we will get to a point where whether it was the blatant lies, whether it was the social media manipulation, whether it was the introduction of fact checkers with their protected opinions and the disaster that that is, there's just enough fuckery going on inside the media that even the most fluorided out sheeple person gets to a point where they're like, you know, I just don't know if the media is always telling me the truth. I'll settle for that. That would be a victory as far as I'm concerned, because what we have in America right now are over a hundred million people that are completely and utterly convinced that the mainstream media is telling them the truth every single night, every single episode, that Rachel Maddow would never in a million years consider lying to them. She is trusted. She is above report. There are people that honestly and truthfully believe this and incorporate this into their worldview. So if we can get those people to second guess the mainstream media, and they should, then I think that things are going to start changing. But if you go back and look at any of these things, Kennedy assassination, 9-11, COVID, whatever, what's the common denominator here? The mainstream media is driving the getaway car in every single instance. They are co-conspirators in this. And if you can get rid of them or at least severely diminish their ability to lie or to get people to believe their lies, then you're on to something. And if this COVID thing does anything, you know what it has shown a lot of people is that the media has no problem lying to you. They'll call you anti-science when they themselves are anti-science and that they are quite literally the enemy of humanity that that if i were to if, if someone were to ask me were two institutions that could that, that went away that would make this world a much better place central banking and the yeah. mainstream media if you got rid of both of those this world would improve overnight well that was the theme of um uh what's the one they live wasn't it at the very end it was the media that they took down yeah took down the media and i said i've said this from the start like ricky and uh, Johnny, i just if we don't need to be outside parliament, we need to be outside the BBC and we need to be inside the BBC. We need to be inside Sky and Channel 4 and taking it to the point where they can't get into the bloody building to, to report. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be in those. And that's what the great thing about Anonymous when it started. And I, and I agree, I understand there's a lot more going on there than was actually being portrayed. But the idea of being able to take over the media was the best thing. Take away their voice take away their microphone. That's what we need to do. Not really go after the governments because the governments don't have anything if the media don't allow them to have it and um, they can switch it on a dime. And that's the power of what we were starting. I said to Jamie, when we started Iconic uh, two and a half years ago, I said, look, there's no industry. There's no alternative media industry. There's a bunch of alternative people on YouTube 
doing great work, great researchers, great content producers, but no organization. We need to build an industry. And that was the idea behind Iconic. And I feel like we're just out of necessity. People like ourselves, people like Whitney Webb, some of these great people like, like James Corbett. I mean, there's so many, there's thousands of fantastic content creators, reporters, proper journalists now that are building an alternative media that it's almost like a dinghy or a little lifeboat where these Robert Malones can get on and these Dr. McCullens can get on and come with us and speak with us. And that ship, that big Titanic is sunk and it's sinking and they need to come along with us. And unfortunately we don't have the size of the boat we want, but we will do. And I feel like we are building something and you're going to have two medias. You're going to have an alternative media and a mainstream media, and they're going to be the same size and they're going to be this, um, but it's probably going to take a long time. What do you think guys? I've been saying people have been saying to me, how long is this going to last? I still don't think in the UK, I genuinely think you've got about another year of this before they really try and push climate because I don't think it's got much more legs, much more gas in the tank. It's different for you guys in the US, isn't it? Because you're such different from state to state here. They are really, really desperate um, really trying to keep this afloat. I don't think they've got more of a year on it. Well, they told us they were the, the CNN producer that was caught undercover from project veritas he he told he told that guy well we're kind of done with biden and everything and the trump stuff we're going to pivot to climate change towards the end of the year and beyond so i mean they've got they put it in their in their in their diary dear diary 2022 year of where we focus on climate change so that's i mean we'll get we'll get the covid stuff for for a while here uh we'll get the the preposterous attempt at trying to connect COVID to climate change, which we're already starting to see with laughable results. Um, talking about how kids are just, you know, one guy in British Columbia got diagnosed, or lady, I think, got diagnosed with climate change. <laughs> you know, so so like, I for one am here for that. I I am here to watch these retard[s] uh, at CNN try and piece this together. I'd like to see them make this argument. This ought to be good. They can't make a logical argument out of normal stuff. They're going to try and tie climate change to COVID. Good luck. I want to watch this. I want to watch Don Lemon come on and try and explain to us how um, how if we how the best way to fight uh, tornadoes. And they fucking said this, the best way to fight tornadoes and hurricanes is to make sure that everybody is vaccinated first. It's like, um, how, go, how do you go on. How did, how did he try and explain that one? Oh, I don't know. How, but how can you compete <laughs> with that level of comedy? Well, you can't. I mean, that's why I mean, we do What's App. Really? The What's App show was built because, and around this, the whole thing's been built around picking these moments out because they're great. Ricky, what do you think about how long you got left? Of this? I mean, that is, I, I saw that one about the first person diagnosed with climate change. It's like being diagnosed with hair. It's like, right. I, would, I, with, I, I, I am not <laughs> diagnosed. With How do hair. I get that? Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking insane. Who, I need a prescription. Who, who do I have to bang without a condom to get that sexual transmitted disease? <laughs> me, actually. <laughs> oh, in that case, maybe I'll, I don't mind being bald eventually. <laughs> You're a good looking lad, but I'm just saying I like women. <laughs> Only from the top up. It's not so good on the bottom half. <laughs> well... It's equally as yellow looking, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it, it's, uh, you know, so the dope, have you guys seen the dope sick uh, series on Hulu? No, but Sam keeps telling me to watch it and, and, and I got, I got to watch it. So 
I feel like everybody should watch that and everybody should, it, most people have watched it, but maybe rewatch uh, Dallas Buyers Club. And it's uh, both of them will show. Uh, it, it, see, the thing is, like, some people, they, they won't listen for, you know, if we tell them, but if they watch a series or they watch a movie and it, it just will connect with them in, in a certain way because you see the characters, you get emotionally uh, attached. And so Dope Six about the, the history of Oxycontin and how basically the pharmaceutical companies lied about how addictive it was. It's also funny how they use similar lingo. So when the drug was being less effective in, in time, right? And you're going to see the parallels here, less effective in time. And then what they did was they're like, well, how do we uh, basically hide the fact that our product's not working? They're like, how about we call, we call it, uh, what is it? What do they call it? It was a breakthrough pain. And they're like, so what, what we'll do is we'll give it this medical term. It's breakthrough pain. So it's basically pain that broke through the, the, the potency of the, our pills. So, and what, what we'll do is we'll, COVID. exactly. So they called it breakthrough pain and they doubled the dosage. So they're like, what we'll do is we'll tell doctors it's called breakthrough pain. It's funny how they just make up medical terms with no signs behind it. So they're like, well, we'll call it breakthrough pain, which what was really happening was the fact that it they're being exposed that the drug was addictive, that you use a certain amount and then eventually it wasn't working and you needed more and you needed more and you needed more. Same, similar to the way a drug addict needs more and more of a drug to get that fixed. So they called it breakthrough pain, made up this term to basically disguise it all. And then also justify giving out more of their product, which made them even more money because now they can give double the dosage, similar to the vaccines not working. And then they call it breakthrough case. And then they're like, now you need more of our product that didn't work the first time because more of it will now do what, you know, but so you'll see the parallels. You'll also see how much, because the thing is when people hear the word medicine and so much of this is just lifelong conditioning right like you're talking about the power of the media the media the, the reason why the media in america it, it, well i guess on the surface we we talk about how we need to protect the media and the, the free press and all that stuff which there basically isn't anymore like you said like m most of the good journalists and researchers and stuff are all independent the mainstream media there, there isn't any good journalism or anything like that but the reason why it's so important to protect them is because at a young age, you're kind of told when you're put on the news, like these are the people that are telling you what's going on in the world. Like these are people that you go to for your for that information. And as a child, over and over again, you don't realize like you start gaining this, just this trust in, in the media. And then there's people who just can't snap out of that. Uh, friends of ours, uh, Adam and Deborah from uh, Deborah Gets Red Pilled. I don't know if you're familiar with this, uh, with this show or I'm, 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 maybe we've all been on it, but... Yeah. Uh, the thing about that show that that is uh, a example of like this problem is the fact that Deborah will talk to us and many other people hour. I mean, how many hours of information did she get? And yet, like it's, you know, Adam's frustrated because it's like he still can't get through to her. He feels like he he's made zero ground. And I and I feel like the, a lot of it is this distrust for it, it's almost like somebody who 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 grows up believing wrestling's real. And then it's like, even though you tell them it's fake, they still get into it. And they, once they put it on, they get emotionally involved and they're screaming at the TV. And I'm like, you know, there's not, which is nothing wrong with that because 
Obviously, if you get into the story, I get it. But with the news, it's much more dangerous because what you're doing is regardless how many uh, times they get exposed for lying or being biased or being uh, pushed in one direction or another from a pharmaceutical company or whatever, or suppressing a story uh, because of where their money's coming from or, 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 or protecting some, you know, one of the elites, they still turn on the news. And for some reason, they're innocent until proven guilty over and over again. And I'm like, you, they've been proven guilty a billion times. Like how many more times are you going to believe what they're saying? And I think a lot of this, and it's similar to like coaches, teachers, right? We, we tell kids like, Oh, you know, be, be good to your teacher, you know, be respectful to your teacher. So it's like, we're constantly conditioning these things. And it's like, listen, your teacher's not always right. So when they're, they're trying to push their ideas on you, when they're, when any person of authority, and that's the thing, like it, I tell my wife all the time, I'm like, listen, I'm not going to help mold the easiest kids to raise, but I am going to help mold kids that are going to think for themselves. Because I do tell them, like, if your teacher says something that's incorrect, there's nothing wrong with uh, correcting them. There's nothing wrong with disagreeing with them. There's nothing wrong with disagreeing with me. I'm like, there's a difference between being disrespectful and, and just understanding that just because something's a rule or because you're being told that something is correct from a person of authority, it doesn't mean it is correct. And I, I'm very open with my kids where like, if I, if you disagree with me, let's talk about it. And if I, if I can't defend my perspective, if I can't defend my opinions, then maybe I should reconsider why I'm pushing these ideas on you or why I'm telling you not to do something or to do something or whatever. But I, I think it's very dangerous when you get these kids. Um, you know, just recently we had, uh, I think uh, Charlie had uh, the author on before I did. And recently I had the author on um, of um, government, the greatest scam in history. What was that the title? Yeah. And yeah. And, and on the cover of that book is all these students, right, uh, you know, uh, facing the American flag, doing probably the Pledge of Allegiance, I'm assuming. And like, just think about it, the Pledge of Allegiance, like these kids are pledging their allegiance to, to what? Like, they don't even understand the concept yet. They don't even like what your little... Uh, the, your little brain still consuming the earth, still consuming uh, information in the world and trying to like make sense of all of it. And you're already getting them to pledge allegiance. And don't get me wrong. Like I have this love hate relationship with this whole concept because in a way, especially during 2020, in a way I've kind of found uh, things I, I, I kind of pushed back more uh, against in, in the past, like um, organized religion and, and uh, being, uh, patriotic and nationalism, which I, I thought a lot of these things probably did more harm than good. They've come, uh, I've got, I've come to a, a place in, in, in my thinking where now I'm like, okay, they're beneficial to, to the world at the moment because the whole, uh, spirit of the U S and people who are those people who pledge allegiance to that flag. They're also the ones who are the most pissed about, losing some of those rights and 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 ideas that the country was founded on because they're so patriotic because they did pledge allegiance to that flag that they're saying fuck you media fuck you um whoever's a ruining america the america that i love and and i pledge allegiance to and same thing with the, the spiritual religious people who a lot of times i'm like oh they've they've uh you know, it, it can, it can create closed mindedness. It can, it can make people tribalistic. 
uh, believe in things that maybe aren't true. All these things, that, you know, things that can be harmful in, in regards to organized religion. Uh, you can take advantage of people. But a lot of those people are also the ones who are the most outspoken. When you look at Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, you look at uh, Dr. Kerry uh, Madej, you look at, uh, uh, you know, uh, Brian Festa uh, from the uh, CT Freedom Alliance and We the Patriots USA. So many people in the pro-freedom uh, movement, uh, anti uh, you know, mandates, masks and all this stuff, like they're all super spiritual and they're all, you know, not to put words in, in their mouths, but I think most of them are, would consider themselves religious. And I, so I think in 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 this uh, moment in time, some of these things that I, I, I thought probably did humanity some bad has actually been beneficial. And, and, and it's motivated them more than the average person to fight back either because of, your allegiance to the to what you think uh, America was founded on, and these principles that you think are so important and much more important than anything else, so it motivates you to fight. Or your your uh, your understanding or, or belief in evil uh, makes it easier e- easier for you to understand that somebody can purposely harm another person. Because I think you talk to the average person and you tell them that they could possibly be putting out a a, a vaccine that they know know is going to kill some people, they would look at you like you're crazy. Or when you talk to them about Bill Gates and his depopulation, even though, I mean, he talks about on a TED talk and he an interview after interview that, you know, did uh, just the population issue. But if you get into that eugenics conversation, people look at you like you're crazy. And, and I think when you look at spiritual people or religious people, they, if you believe in a, a internal good, you must believe in a evil, you know, things balance themselves out. So I think it's easier for them to, to understand that. And a lot of people are saying like, this is a, we feel like we're in a spiritual type of war right now. And, uh, and even myself, who's not a religious person, I guess I'll, I'll say I'm, I'm spiritual, uh, but uh, I don't consider myself religious at all. I also have a sense that it's like a spiritual war right now. Do you guys get that? And are you guys uh, r- religious or, or spiritual? Would you consider no? But you but you get that feeling, right? Like like this is bigger than any individual or anything. Like it's almost like we're living through this good first evil battle. And um and I think so. I think people who are religious and spiritual they they can grasp that better. Where you talk to the average person, and and that that goes into the whole other agendas of like maybe removal of. This bat, uh, this war against religion, this war against family values, these war against these, um, you know, just these these things that I didn't really think was a part of the agenda. Like now, I'm starting to think like maybe it is a part of the agenda. Maybe this idea of uh, were you going to say something, Charlie? You want? I've up? never called anyone a commie in my life until this last year. <laughs> 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 I always thought that was kind of a lame uh, insult. And what I've discovered is that there is a segment of society that is has these like commie Marxist ideals that are like really super intentionally destructive to society. And I think that they're pissing off a lot of the religious people that see this and they go, you know, like for better or worse, you know, like organized religious people. When you get when you start messing with their religion they get really mad when you start closing their churches and saying, and, and, and maybe they are more spiritually in, in 
in tune or seeking out like they're they go to church services or or whatever their their religious serv- services they're told about good things and the good things that come from their religion <clears throat> it's very tribalistic someone in the outside might be attacking us right then you then you get a load of the fauci's of the world and and you go well that's that evil guy that you were talking about <laughs> i mean it doesn't look like the devil but he's certainly acting like it. They're attacking our society. They're attacking our way of life. They're attacking our, our beliefs. They're attacking our science. They're attacking all this stuff. And the religious people are starting to get kind of fed up with it. You see what's been happening in Canada. They're like arresting pastors and doing things like that. Like that shit doesn't have an expiration date. That makes people angry forever. And, uh, and so I think that, that, you know the 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 hardcore organized religious faction can you know because they're part of organized religion they are susceptible to being organized whether it's Q or the vaccine cult or the religion thing or whatever you can get these people in big groups and and make them do what you want them to do but you got to be very careful because it seems like the the organized religion got had the organized big pharma tried to get into a fight with them, closing their churches and telling, you know, using the same tactics. And I think organized religion rightly saw this and went, whoa, you're the enemy. We don't like this. So, so wouldn't it be funny if after all of this, what got us out of it was like the hardcore, the hardcore religious, they're making it a, a right versus left thing. So you've got like in America on the right, you've got the conservatives, which typically, not always, but typically kind of lean Christian. And, and now you've got the vaccine debate being politicized. You know, they're pulling up the old tweets from people are saying, I would never take a vaccine if Donald Trump put it out. And then like eight months later, now that Biden's there, they're like, take your vaccine. You're stupid if you don't, you know, and it's so they politicized it. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's an interesting to, it's been fascinating to watch this whole thing. Like it's been psychotic and frustrating and everything, but, but one of our sort of skills, Rich, you as a filmmaker, uh, and podcaster and Ricky and I as podcasters is that we're, we're sort of, our job is to be observers and, and watch what's going on. And there, this has been the greatest show in the world the last two years. I mean, I've never seen anything quite like it. And, and I was fully in, I had enough going on before this. I mean, I had enough conspiracy stuff I was into. I didn't need this, but man, watching this and watching the psychological operations that are happening, watching how they're trying to get one side fighting with the other side, how they're trying to, de- how they, how they'll take something that is so anti-science, like masks that come out of boxes that on the side of the box says, does not prevent the transmission spread or anything having to do with coronavirus. And then you say, I'm not wearing the mask. And then they call you anti-science for it, even though on the side of the box, it says it doesn't work. This has been fascinating to me. And, and I think that the, um, I think that we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it all plays out, but it, but, but the, the hardcore religious people tend to click up right with their religion and defend themselves. And when you start to feel like you're being persecuted, but it's not coming from another religion, it's coming from the the religion of science. It's like, Oh, I expected this from the Muslims, but I didn't expect it from the science. Now the science is in a battle with Christianity and I'm, I'm interested to watch how it all plays out because it's uh, it's fascinating. It is. 
Yeah, is it just a cult of scientism? Um, and I, like I had a, this is the greater good is their cult. The greater good it means nothing. It's, it's, it makes as much sense as make America great again. It doesn't mean anything. What does great mean? What does make mean? The greater good doesn't mean anything. It means your individual good doesn't matter as opposed to the greater good. Who decides the greater good? It's, it's a cult. It's an absolute cult. I even had the lady, the guy that rang up my partner because she's works for the NHS and she'd probably be leaving because she won't be having an experiment. And um, he even said, you need to do it for the great good. This is a guy that's ringing thousands of people at the NHS. Should not be in a position. He's clearly insane. He said to her, you could take a thousand of these jabs one after another and you'd be fine. This is the guy that's ringing around the NHS to tell people that don't want to get it to try and convince them. He's insane. They've allowed insane people into these jobs and they've purposely found these insane people over the last 30 years to go into these positions. And I've seen this happen with child support, with um, youth workers. They've found psychologists that are even allowing people with borderline personality disorders, plus to be personality disorders, which is narcissism, um, which is yeah borderline, which covers most of the class to be personality disorders, all of them, actually. Um, these are people that you wouldn't trust to hold your car keys because they key you in the face with them. And they're allowing them to go into positions of authority. That's been done purposely. The, the people that are working in the mainstream media, they've been put there on purpose, either because they don't question anything, they've compromised, or they're just really, really dumb, or they're narcissists and they want to just be seen on the telly. Purposely picked psychotic cult that's been cultivated, literally, over the last 30 years to push this left right and center and it's it's incredible as you say charlie just to watch it's it's mad these people are mad you could be piers morgan and you could be all of those things all he's, wrapped up into one he's clearly he should not be allowed out of the house around other human beings he's mentally ill and he's got a netflix series where he interviews psychopaths and serial killers i'm like yeah, we have we have keith oberman here in the united states and he used to be like on espn doing the sports and uh and then and now he and then he was on MSNBC for a long, long time. And now he's just his job is to be a professional crazy person yelling at people on Twitter and telling them that they need to get child protective services involved, take away their kids if people won't take the shots and shit like that. And you go, wow, you are a you're a psychopath of the highest order. And you're lecturing. He's lecturing people from his from the balcony of his penthouse apartment that overlooks like over his shoulder you can see all of central park it's a multi-million dollar view and he's lecturing everybody on how they need to just you know get get along for the greater good and you're going holy shit if you had any sense of like ability for self-reflection you would recognize what an unbelievable douchebag you are telling everybody talking about the greater good while you are are projecting an image that says point one percent over you know i'm in the most one of the most expensive cities in the world i'm literally in an apartment that overlooks central park the most desired view and i'm going to tell you that we all need to get along for for the greater good and you just go how do you not see this is do the are the mirrors in your house broken do you not r recognize your own insanity and i think you're right rich that a lot of these people are chosen for this position these positions because they don't they don't have that hang up of like self-reflection who needs that i'm supposed that, to just pitch a narrative that, that's my job self-reflection is for for simpletons 
<laughs> but do you think because religious people would say that, right? That there's a a war against religion. That's the way they would they they've been. I mean, a lot of religious people have been saying that for a while. That some of these policies and, and what they're doing is they're trying to create a godless uh, world. Do you think that that's kind of what they're they are attempting to do? Because you look at someone like Fauci or whoever the elite is and and are doing these horrible, horrible, horrible things. If you believed in a afterlife, if you believed in a higher power of some sort, wouldn't you be a little concerned about paying for some of your, you know, things you've done? And I feel like the only way you could go ahead and do these things is you almost have to not believe in anything else. Like, or maybe, you know, the whole satanic thing, right? Like they're just... I have two thoughts on this, and it comes from me changing my opinion on these things over time. The first one was that I used to hear people say that the media was left-leaning and liberal bias in the media, and I thought that those were only Republicans complaining. I've now come to realize that that is a true statement. Second part is that the, the religious right the Christian conservatives would say they're trying to take God out of the school. And I would always roll my eyes and go, that's just the Republicans being hypersensitive and everything. And I've changed my mind on that. They are trying to take God out of school. Now I'm not, like you said, I'm not, I'm not into, I'm not into organized religion. It's not my thing. I don't, it doesn't bother me one way or the other. If they're trying to take God out of school, I suppose a case could be made that let's let's just take religion out of school. Like we don't need that. But but what I've come to understand is that they're they're trying to. It's it's more than just trying to take God out of school, which gets the right really pissed off. They're trying to take the family unit out of school at least here in America with these cultural Marxists and the, the sort of gender neutralness and the, I'm going to come out to my te- my, to my students that are all in kindergarten and tell them that I'm non-binary and all these videos that we see all this subversion of, Oh, you don't have to have, tell your parents about the vaccine. Just come, we'll give you a slice of pizza in Los Angeles. This teacher person, I don't know if there's a teacher or some school administrator got busted luring a kid to give them um, uh, the shot in exchange for a slice of pizza and then says, don't tell your parents. That's groomer talk. So we've got all this groomer behavior. We've got this intentional destruction of the family unit in school. And I used to think that that stuff was just the right having fantasies or, 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 or extrapolate, you know, like make believe stuff like, Oh, well, it's probably not that bad. Yeah. I think you guys are exaggerating. I've, I've changed my opinion on that. I've come to the, to the, to, to my own personal conclusion that it is true. They're trying to take not just God out of the schools, which may or may not be an inappropriate place for God to be right. Maybe, maybe in the churches or in your home is a, is a better place, but they're intentionally trying to destroy the family. And that comes, and it's not just, it's not even just school too, but we see it in, in, in Congress this year, the house representatives uh, during the summer passed new legislation, banning words like mother, father, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, cousin, father-in-law, mother-in-law, all the, terms that you, there's like 30 of them that you would use to describe the family, they've banned them. You're not allowed to say them. Why? Because remove the words, the remove the words used to describe the family is the first step towards removing the family. And, and like I said, I used to think that these people were insane for like, oh, you're just, you're going down a rabbit hole that isn't there, but there's more to it. I'm, I've come around on my way of thinking on this stuff. And I think that the loony left and that those Soros backed, uh, 
chaos agents are are in fact work partnering up with these school groups, of course, Common Core, financed by Bill Gates, no surprise there, that they are trying to just change the culture so much that this world is unrecognizable. And anybody that that thinks that they're going to make, I mean, just think of the sort of mentality you have to have to think that, you know, it would make this world better if I destroyed families. Like, how can that, how can that make the world better? And yet that seems to be their mission. So it's been a, it's, it's, it's a weird, you know, God and schools. So it's like God slash family. For some people, they're the same thing. You know, the, for some people, they're, they're, they're an integral part. For me, family, yes, but the God part, I don't pretend to know how it all works. I don't, I'm not praying to an imaginary man in the sky, but some people do. And that's fine with me because it's none of my business. So, um, but where it does become my business, whether you're the loony left or the hardcore religious right, is you, is if you start saying, I have special information that you don't have, and God is telling me that I need to come in here and do all these crazy things. Or if you're the left saying, I have special information, and I know that we need to remove all of the terminology that you use to describe families, and we need to install pedophiles instead of teachers, that's a problem too. So so any of the, the extremist components are can can be dangerous but boy I, I i've come to i've just come to change my views on some of these things and recognize that the the complaints of the right the conservatives are probably a little bit more valid than i ever gave them credit for there's also really uh, before we wrap this up there's always also on the Fauci thing that you just mentioned ricky is um i pointed over there because that's where you are on my screen but i've realized that people are watching this won't have a clue which direction i'm pointing um i they talk about usurping God is one thing, and they talk about living forever. And if you listen to them, a lot of them talk about, oh, I'm going to live forever, which is obviously an old satanic um, ritual that they go. Hollywood is built around this living forever. It's always built about becoming a star. Well, that meant that you live forever. You had eternal youth. We've all told, heard about this, the eternal youth and the way of they found, found the founding of youth. That has an, a satanic element that not a lot of people talk about. Remember, Fauci is a Jesuit. He was brought up in a Jesuit school. He was he was Jesuit taught. Bill Gates' wife was Jesuit taught. But a lot of these are Jesuits. Um, they have a belief, different varying beliefs. But one of the beliefs is that, like the Sabbatean belief is, or the Alistair Crowley belief is that all are okay. Um, I think it was not all are okay. It's about bringing about God by causing as much chaos as possible as he would come and save the world and restart it because it's abomination and he would restart it that way. So there's almost like an element of a lot of them. And there's different factions in this cult that believe if they cause as much carnage as possible, the second coming will happen. They will bring it forth. Other ones want to usurp God and become God. Um, so they are. And if you look at people's Instagram, you look at kids nowadays, they are God. They just, everything is about them. Me, I look what I'm doing me on everything how many followers have i've got it's little mini cults everybody's talking about me and i and everything like that it's and i don't mean that i mean we're going to do that anyway of course we are but it's to an extreme everybody is trying to be a god and they're trying to be a god head and they're trying to so all of these people like Fauci, they have they believe they have the right to be a god they have the right to, to lord over you they're, they're they're completely detached so not only are they probably not believing a god that that's going to have to they're going to have to answer to they are god and they're doing god's work 
So they believe that they have so detached and not been able to look at the fact that Fauci's probably killed a credible amount of people in the last 30 years and Bill Gates would have done the same. They can't look at that. They can't look at the monster they've become. So they have to be a god. They have to be a reason why. All serial killers, none of them probably think they're bad people. They think they'll either push to it. There was a reason to it, for it. Um, pornography was the guy, the one that, the one that, um, the handsome one that went and killed loads of people. And he said it was pornography that drove him to it. Can't remember his name now. A very famous killer. And, Ted Bundy. Um, Ted Bundy. And he never thought he was a bad person. He was abused a bit as a kid, but most a lot of kids are. They become gods as a way of controlling. So the, these Jesuits are taught that they're they're actually soldiers of of the Vatican to go out and push this agenda. And this is what they should be doing. So he sees him. He's going to call the population to save the planet. He probably believes what he's doing. He's, he's probably convinced himself that what he's doing is good. And that's where the psychotic break comes in. So then you're seeing it in the people now that have taken the doctors that have actually gone and have to look at the fact that they've injected this shit into people in a two years time when people start to really drop from this or accumulate the nanoparticles in the organs and the ovaries, which they're being told about. They've been told about that that these nanoparticles will accumulate in the organs, in the ovaries, um, in, in the bone marrow. That's going to be coming about. Then they're going to have to look at the fact that they have to do it. Do it. So why are they going to go, oh, shit, I've killed a lot of people? Or are they going to go, I was just doing what I was told, like the Nazis did, like the brown shirts did? Or are they going to go, oh, no, well, we're doing it for the great of good because we save more people than we're killing? That, do you know what? People don't look at themselves as the evil baddie. The baddie doesn't think they're a baddie. Of course they don't. They want to be the goody, even if they know deep down at the core of their being they're a baddie. When me and you, when we do something wrong, we always know when we're fucked up. We might want to convince ourselves for thirty years that we haven't. We might drink on top of it. We might take drugs to try and make the the, the um, guilt go away and the shame go away. These people feel it deep down in their core. They're just burying it and burying it and burying it and burying it, and they're scared. They've got to see. They don't know where they're going next. None of us do. They're terrified of where they're going next. And we know good from bad from the moment we're born, wrong from right from the moment we're born. So you can't convince me, no matter how much you put on the telly, that people in the world don't know that it's not right to tell someone to, what to put in their body and what not to put. You can't mandate something into their body. I'm sorry, you just can't. That, that there's no there's, there's no way around that. that you don't I don't need a conversation. I don't need to. I, there's no argument here. You are not allowed to put something in my body. I don't want in, and I'm not allowed to put something in yours. That's called rape. That's we have terms for that. So you know right from wrong, and I know right from wrong. No matter how much woke shit you come up with and say it's for the greater good, I don't want it in my body. You stay away from me. If you've got a problem with that, stay indoors. Put your mask on. You can do things about that. They know right from wrong, and and. That's where it comes down to. These cults try and twist right, right and wrong. They put it upside down. They invert everything. And this is a cult we're dealing with. So when people say, I can't understand how they think that they, they, they're mad. But you don't <laughs> rationalize madness. You just like trying to fix a computer with a broken computer. It's broke. You see it as a broke person. This person is broke. Fauci is a broke human being. You're not going to get anything good out of a broke human being. Gates is broken. They're all broken human that beings. That lady on the on the airplane with her mask off, who's yelling at the guy about putting the mask on and having spitting on him and everything. She's broken too. She's broken. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. Those are those are people that like you. 
you you put you, you put them in the return box and you send it off to Best Buy and they get put in the remanufactured department and you can get them for a discount because exactly. they're broken. You can't She's, fix that lady. Yeah, absolutely right. And she she'll know at her core when she gets when she woke up in the cell the next morning that she was broken. And she'll know that she's broken, but she's going to have to face it. That's not for me or you to take a vaccine so she don't feel broken. Piss off. Yeah. Fix yourself. It's, well, it's mad. People, people like Dr. Fauci and Bill Gates, when you have that much power and influence and you're probably surrounded by yes men, right? People who are just going to bow down to everything you say. It has a psychological effect on them. In the same way that throughout history, there's always been a small portion of the population that feel like, they're the ones who should be making decisions for the greater good because the rest of us aren't intelligent enough. We're not, uh, you know, capable enough. And for whatever reason, either because of their money, success, resource, bloodline, right? You know, monarchies, um, they feel like they're the ones who should be deciding what's best for humanity. And I think, like you said, uh, they truly, you know, some of them might potentially truly believe that the evil that they're doing is for the greater good. I mean, if you anybody who's looked into the history of eugenics, and there's a great documentary, I don't know if it's still available on YouTube, called um, MAFA 21, M-A-A-F-A 21. Great documentary that goes through the history of eugenics. And it's actually uh, really goes into, how, you know, people on the, the left and minority should be the most pissed because it was, uh, you know, the, they're the ones they were being targeted, the minorities. And obviously everybody knows the history of Margaret Sanger and all that stuff. But it's just uh, it obviously some people were into eugenics because they're purely evil. But I think same as what's going on now, some people truly believed it was for the betterment of society, the betterment of humanity. It was because they were just trying to protect future generations. So that type of thinking is always dangerous. And Anytime you're forcing stuff onto people, that's uh, I, Jimmy Dore, who I'm a fan of. He was on my show years ago, but he uh, he just had a little debate with uh, Graham Elwood. And, you know, I give Jimmy Dore a lot of credit because much like us, you know, who are pl politically homeless, you know, he's kind of politically homeless, even though he puts a label on himself. He considers himself a lefty, but he's a lefty who's a critical thinking lefty. And which means he's not a lefty. God, basically you're kind of right he's left the lefties yeah and he's uh yeah he's like but he you know he had this debate with graham elwood and he's just like graham elwood is just like so convinced he's like you know we're there's nothing wrong with mandates he's like you know uh health for all is 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 a mandate all you know and he's just like but it's not forcing a medical procedure that could harm people like to me and i always i know some people hate the fact that i always use peanut butter as an example but it's a perfect example like if i force everybody to eat peanut butter some people are gonna die and it's not okay like if i say peanut butter can cure some diseases okay it's healthy for you 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 know but here's the risks like some people might have allergic reaction to it but I give people, I put out the information, let people decide for themselves which risk and reward ratio, um, you know, what they're willing to the risk for that reward. Like that's up to them. And people just don't see that. Like this idea that you think that this is best for everybody and it's okay that some are going to be sacrificed. Okay. 
be for for the greater good. That's the same type of thinking in eugenics. I mean, that's literally what Nazi Germany was, you know, was doing. It was that type of thinking. Like they thought, like maybe there were some evil, uh, you know, aspects to what we're doing, and some people could consider it evil. But they were convinced it was for the greater good. You know, it was a greater good of their country or their civilization, their humanity, uh, the greater good uh, for you know the human race. Like it's it's the same type of polluted and dangerous thinking. And a lot of people who are pushing these man, like they don't realize that they don't see the parallels. They don't see you know when they when people bring up Nazi Germany, they're like, oh, yeah, that's such an extreme example. It's like, no, nah, it's not because of those people during that time they truly believed it, it they, i mean many of them truly believed what they were doing wasn't evil they they truly believed it was for the greater good and sacrifices must be made for the greater good and it's the same thing that's going on now jimmy Dore was vaccine injured to mandate him you know you know if he has if he's at a job that that's mandating the vaccine i mean to to think that he has to take something that could potentially harm himself just to keep his job i mean that's insanity. Oh, and you sound like an anti-peanut butter person. <laughs> yeah, I am anti-peanut. I'm very anti-peanut butter. No, I'm kidding. I love peanut butter. But, you know, the thing is, like, it just it doesn't make any sense. And this whole thing and, and uh, talking to people who live in Canada and I think the UK, they're using the same type of uh, just rhetoric in regards to like, oh, it's not about me. You get vaccinated like you're a selfish bastard if you don't get vaccinated. Like you get vaccinated to protect everybody. And it's like, Nah, like that doesn't make any logical sense, any scientific sense. I mean, uh, Jimmy Dore showed it. Uh, it was either on the FDA or the CDC website where it says on there that the vaccine has not been proven to stop transmission. So all these people who are saying that, like you get the no, it's like if you want to protect yourself, you get vaccinated. That's it. You're not protecting anybody else. You getting vaccinated is um, it is strictly and specifically just to protect yourself. You're not protecting anybody else. It doesn't stop the viral load. It doesn't stop you from transmitting. It, it doesn't stop you from getting it. So this whole idea of like get, you feeling like you're doing something moral or you're at you're on this moral pedestal looking down on us because we won't get vaccinated. Like it's not even true. It's not even factual and not even the elite and, and the pharmaceutical companies are even projecting this. And this is why the media and, and influencers and all these people are so important in this whole game because the pharmaceutical companies haven't even once said that it stops you from getting it or spreading it. It all this information that's that's being circulated comes completely from like the media saying things like that, uh, influencers saying things like that. Uh, you know, the president of the, the president. United fucking states saying yeah. that the head of the crazy coming out, you say the opposite. If you said the opposite, like if I say the vaccine, uh, you know, uh, or if, if I like, I just don't understand how if I say the vaccine doesn't stop you from getting or spreading, that can get me censored or banned. But if I say something that's factually not true, misinformation that get the vaccine to protect others, like there's no censorship going on at all. For any of those people, and that's literally scientifically proven to be incorrect. It is pharma propaganda when you say that. Like, it's literally like it's there's no science behind that. And it just shows that's why, like, this, you know, Dr. Uh, Robert Malone, I feel bad for him because there's so many people who who dismiss everything he says because they say, oh, well, he's not, you know, th there's been articles saying that he's not um, the founder of the mRNA technology. I'm like, well, he's, he wasn't the 
like lone solo individual. He was a part of the process. He was a part of the, the group of people. And he goes into all that. Um, even if he wasn't uh, involved in that at all, his knowledge of this of this stuff cannot be dismissed. Like even if he wasn't the sole individual who who came up with it himself, but you I'm like, but the same media who told you that Joe Rogan was taking horse pills is the same media that you're going to believe that is telling you that Robert Malone's full of shit. Like, and that you need to listen to Big Bird and Oscar <laughs> the Grouch from Sesame Street. Like. I love that Potter, uh, the Dr. Peter McCullough call, because one thing that was pissing me off about Joe Rogan and his, uh, I loved his interview with Dr. Sanjay Gupta. I'm glad he called him out on all that stuff. But the part of it that really pissed me off was that he truly still believed that Dr. Sanjay Gupta was just naive and he just wasn't a bad person. And it was just his opinion based on his information. And then when Dr. Peter McCullough, and I don't know, Richard, if you, if you saw Dr. Peter McCullough on, on Joe Rogan podcast, but when he says, like, you are literally like he was knowingly uh, deceiving children, but, you know, on Sesame Street. And because, you know, there's a risk and you're convincing them to take something that could potentially harm them. No. And, and you know that they're literally at zero risk of, of, of um, getting harmed or hospitalized or death from from the virus like that's he knew that he knew what he was doing and the worst part is on the rogan he couldn't even play naive anymore couldn't say that i just wasn't aware of the information because he talked about it on the rogan podcast rogan's like he's like i know he knows the stats the statistics he's like we talked about it when he was on my show and and yet he goes on sesame street so i'm like rogan like do you not see it like he's not just ignorant like he's not a good person who i'm like if anything that proves that he's that that psychopathic, but I don't know which is sociopath or psych, psychopath, the one that can seem completely normal and and yet you know ends up killing people or whatever. I'm like, he's that serial killer who's literally like putting out false information and yet can convince others that he's completely normal. You know, he's he's you know similar to the serial killer that you see interviews with the neighbors, like he seemed like such a great dude, he's a normal, you know, and it's like, no, dude, he's not a great dude. This guy is is good at his job because he's convinced the public that he's a sincere person who cares about people and is normal and yet is doing something knowingly putting out bad information dangerous information and directly going at children which is the part of it that pisses me off the most because we all have kids and this idea that you, you should vaccinate kids like if that doesn't wake people up and the fact that even with the bullshit numbers, the bull, and we're using the bullshit numbers, the manipulated, inflated bullshit numbers, they're still at like virtually zero risk of the virus using their numbers. And, and yet, like there's still people who aren't like waking up like, wait, now they want to vaccinate five-year-olds? Like I was talking to my uh, family in France over the holidays and they're, you know, they were like, dude, they want to vax. And he has a daughter, my, my cousin I was talking to. And he's like, they want to vaccinate five-year-olds. He's like, they, he's like, they're, they're, you're going to have to get vaccinated to go to school and go do this and do that. And New York, right. They were talking about how um, uh, toddlers and, and little kids are going to have to show their vaccine passport to, to go around. I mean, it's like, it's insane. It's like, how much more evidence do you need that this isn't about the virus it's never been about the fucking virus and when peter mccullough talked about the sparse uh uh, uh documents that was 
awesome because I was stunned. I, dude, yeah, me too. I was I was stunned. First of all, Peter McCullough is a black belt. Like that dude, he I remember when he was on my show, he's like and uh, he didn't know that I start recording immediately when he calls. So I had this on, on, on the show, but he was like, he's like, we don't need, he's like, we don't need to talk about opinions. He's like, I, he's like, all I do is talk about facts and science and information. And he's like, and that's why nobody can debate me because he's like, I, it's none of its opinions. And the fact that he, I mean, the amount of information he knows and, and the statistics, it's like, how do you listen to that guy talk and then say that, like that you still believe the nonsense that's coming from uh, the TV. How do you listen to him? He has study after study, example and example. And if you truly care about the greater good, you should be rip shit that there's doctors out there that had uh, protocols that were helping people. And that shit was being suppressed from the, the media. Okay. If, because people always talk about, but the numbers, the no, 700,000 people died, 500,000 people, you know, and, and I'm like, well, that's great. But how many of those people died because the, the media that you trust suppressed uh, treatments that were working, you know, and then people are like, well, if, if, if there was treatments, how come people, uh, uh, doctors didn't say anything because the doctors that are saying stuff are being care. They're, they're doing character assassinations on them. They're, they're, uh, uh, they're being suppressed. I mean, there's no reason why, I mean, no offense towards uh, my, my show and, and any of our shows, but there's no reason why somebody as informed as Dr. Peter McCullough or, or somebody who has the history and the resumes uh, of Dr. Malone needs to go on our shows like they come on our shows because the main the, because believe me, it'd be much more beneficial if they were on CNN or they were on what well, now Rogan obviously is is a whole nother league, but. If you're taking the time to go on all these much smaller shows, it's because they won't they can't go on those shows because, you know, and that's why I give these guys so much fucking credit, because what they're doing is they're chipping away at the mainstream media like one interview at a time. And they'll go on any show. Dr. Peter McCullough, you know, came on the Union of Unwanted the day the Joe Rogan show uh, uh, episode was released. OK, uh, his Twitter account went from, I think, 50,000 like that day to now I think he's over 200 and something thousand, like in a couple days, you know, it's like insane. And he still came on our show, which doesn't have near like 1% of the, the poll that, that uh, Rogan's does, but he still felt the need to, uh, and why? Because he wants to reach as many people as possible. It's not about fame. It's not about, you know, uh, popularity. He's like, you know what? I'm going to use every opportunity I can to get this information out there. And if that means going on smaller shows, larger shows, he's just going to reach them. And you have to appreciate people like that. He he doesn't care about the fame. He doesn't care about the popularity. I mean, Rogan to ask him like for his website or whatever. He's like, oh, just listen to my show. You know, he's like, he just cares about information. He didn't tell people to follow him on Twitter. He didn't tell people to follow him on Instagram. He doesn't care about any of that you know, popularity contest bullshit. Like who cares how many fucking followers you have? Listen to my information, listen to my show where I'm going to give you the information and I'm going to directly give you uh, the science and, and answer your questions, all that stuff. So, you know, and, and I think at the end of all this shit, people, and this is why I tell people over and over again on my show, uh, I'm like support shows like macroaggressions, like all Richard's work and iconic because when shit hits the fucking fan, you know, you're going to you uh, many of us were disappointed by the pe- cowards who didn't speak up and you should be appreciative of the people who had the balls to to, to speak up. And, and you should support if you can support alternative media by 
posting it, sharing it, rating it, reviewing it, financially supporting it if you can, because we're all so fucking necessary because when we're being lied, I mean, think about it. The scariest thing they could put on us is either like uh, atom bombs going to be dropped in our, in our country, or there's a virus that's going to kill every loved one you, you, you know. And like, so there's people who are petrified and they needed information and they needed some, some understanding what was going on. And when people like us had the balls to speak out and say, you know what, man, like, this none of this shit's making sense and you know just something here doesn't seem right when many people wouldn't speak out because they're afraid you know i was telling people on my show i'm like listen i have people over my fucking house every single weekend you don't think you think i'm afraid of this shit you know i'm like i i love my kids you think i'll put my kids in in danger if i truly believed this was going to harm them of course not you know and and so we you know del big tree james corbett jason burmas um you know, uh, Ryan from Last American Vagabond. I mean, these guys, their work is priceless. Okay. Our work is, pr- and I say their work because I don't want to, you know, I, I don't take compliments well. So I don't want to compliment myself. But every, you know, everybody in this community, it, like their work is priceless because when you're being lied to and an issue that is so important to understand and, and, and just for psychological reasons, because think about psychologically, how much better off are the people who ran into our shows? And are, are, are like, oh, shit, maybe this is all bullshit. Like what they're saying makes makes much more sense than what the TV is saying compared to the person who had two years of saying, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. We're still in a crisis. We're still in a crisis. Those are people who are driving around by themselves with masks on, you know, driving a convertible with a mask on, driving a motorcycle with a mask on. Don't you talk know. about rich that way. Come on, stop. <laughs> I can't drive. Not legally, but I, I, that doesn't stop me driving, to be fair. Right. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's why not? Uh, why? No. Well, but Rick, Ricky, think about this. This is the this is the the craziest part of this. Is that we came into this with good news, the best news. Yeah, this, this whole is- thing is bullshit. You're not going to die. You don't have to act like this. Everything's going to be fine. The media is making a bigger deal out of this. I'm not trying to say nobody's dying, but the, but there there's some massive fuckery going on with the numbers and the and the testing doesn't work. All this stuff is bullshit. This is great news. And what was the response from people? Stop it. You're a conspiracy theorist. It's like, I came to give you the best news, uh, maybe of your life, definitely of the last five years. And you're turning me away. Yeah. Because you want bad news. You want to be told how bad it is. Well, people need to know the, like, we almost need to go back. And that's why I've actually gone back and rewatched, um, what is it? A, a New Normal, which is a uh, UK documentary, um, which you can find on, I think, Odyssey and, and a couple of the other alternative media uh, video platforms, uh, BitChute. Uh, I think it's it's on there on Bitchune or Odyssey, A New Normal. You go back and watch the pandemic documentary. Go watch all the, because those news clippings and those um, first reports, like we need to be reminded of what we were sold initially. Because we forget, like now it's like, oh, we just want to lower cases. Like, listen, motherfucker, like that's not what this, that's not what got us a lockdown. They locked us down because they told us millions of people were going to die. We were petrified of, of anybody getting it. Now it's a fucking joke. If somebody's test positive, like, most of the time, I don't even assume they have symptoms. You know, I don't text message them like, hey, I hope you and your family are doing okay. I, I at all. If if I get a, uh, if somebody tells me a friend of mine has cancer, 
I'm petrified. I'm, what can I do? Can I help? You know, um, I'm so sorry. No, no, you know, I'm, I, I have an emotional response to that. If somebody tells me that a friend of mine has COVID, I don't even text them. I don't care. I'm just like, well, that sucks that you got to be locked in your house because of all this bullshit for a while. You know, like I'm more concerned about them being bored, you know, than they are. Like, it's like, what am I going to do for 11 days? You know, it's it's like, that's what I'm concerned about. And that's a psychological thing that we don't even consider either. Like all these people that are just like, oh, I just had a lock. You know, if I if I have COVID, I'm going to have to quarantine. I'm like, dude, we're not. We're social creatures. We aren't supposed to be away from others for that long. OK. And instead of having two years of talking about exercising, nutrition, get we know the majority of people have health issues and many of them are obese. Imagine if we had two years of focusing on, hey, people who are overweight, let's like if you get COVID, yeah, the vaccine might help, but you know, what's really going to help if, if you get in better uh, shape, if you exercise, if you like, there's no talk about that. Just like um, Peter McCullough said in the Rogan podcast, and it's so true. They wanted to make sure that every road only led to the vaccine that they didn't want to talk about getting uh, healthier. They didn't want to talk about any other, uh, uh, you know, um, medicines that might help. They don't want to talk about any of that stuff. Uh, and it's like the people who are still believing this stuff, it just, it, it, it's either one, they haven't listened to our shows, which tells you again, how important our shows are that, and every one of us are, are a part of spreading, you know, at least, um, alternative perspectives on what's going on but or they've been so traumatized that you can't like i truly believe if even if the president came out and said you know what COVID's behind us we can move on there's gonna be people who still wear masks because they've been fucking traumatized yeah, yeah. traumatized and and they and this maybe leads to the other thing that we talked about like fuck you know forget the whole family unit forget genders, forget all this stuff is a social construct. Be afraid to go outside. Now join the metaverse where you can just, you know, where you can just put on a head unit. You can buy NFTs or whatever the hell they're called and 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 just live in this virtual reality. I mean, Black Mirror, that's, I mean, go back and watch Black Mirror. Like that, that when I remember watching Black Mirror, I'm like, well, that could be like right around the corner. Now I'm like, Holy shit, like this could that really was yesterday. Yeah, yeah it was yesterday. Just old yeah. News. <laughs> I like Rich's movie. So as a good yeah. a good place, you, you mentioned like remembering what got us into this. That's why, Rich, when you made uh Prime for Panic Lockdown 2020, that was great because you rightly recognized that you needed to capture what was currently happening in that moment, and then we you did that that movie with the interviews were all remote because everyone was remote at that mm. time. And that made it that, that kind of made it relevant too, because you couldn't do the per in-person interviews. Like maybe, maybe you did with David or, or whatever the people that you worked with on a daily basis, but that, that movie that you put together, I thought was great because it encapsulated that time. And it, it really, you know, we didn't have, we didn't know what was going to be a year from then. We only knew what we were being told. And and where where we had the advantage that a lot of like the normies didn't is that we knew about this stuff. We knew about the media's role. We knew about Big Pharma's role and and all of these these scandals and all of this uh, absurdity and lies and things. We've known about that for decades. So when it actually happened with the with the the COVID situation, 
we knew it. We recognized it right away. Rich, you started filming. Mm. You started saying, this is what's going on. Let's, let's do where everyone else was still like, oh my God, we're all going to die tomorrow. We rightly knew that this was bullshit. It was a, it was, it was an operation to try and force everyone into this vaccine agenda. So I think it, uh, um, I think that your your movie should be required viewing for everybody so that they don't forget where these people wanted to were trying to take us and the fear tactics that they were using to try like like you said Ricky it wasn't like you might get sick it was everybody's going to die you're going to be responsible for killing everybody in your family You've got uh, Sage, what reporting that like, you know, the, the, the chart was off the off, you know, it was off the chart. It, it, it was like millions of people, 50 million dead here. This and you're just like, oh, my God, you hear all these numbers. So we can't allow them to to minimize that and go, well, we weren't really saying that. Yes, you were, you fuckers. And it's documented. It's in this movie. Go watch it. Rich, you did a great job of showing like, boom, 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 boom. This is what they're doing. So, yeah, it was my, it's my favorite film I've ever made, to be honest. And they are, the, the funny thing about that film, the most interest, one of the most interesting things about that film, and I've got to go in a minute, but I want to finish on this, is that that film is what has got us banned from the Apple app. So we're not held as iconic on the Apple app if that film goes back on the website. So I'm like, Jamie, where's the film going on? So he's trying to work on another way to get it on the app back on the website without the app. And I keep telling him to release it for free on band.video because it's my favorite film. And what I love about that film is it was proper documentary making in a sense. It wasn't it wasn't about. It wasn't historical. It was in the moment. So I literally was filming on my phone the day we went into lockdown and I was in a shitty hotel in Derby and laughing about this stuff and going, this is mad. The hotel is like a ghost town, filming out the windows, no one on the streets, walking up and down the streets on my own. Everybody's gone and it's actually happening. And I'm Zoom calls on the next week with you, Charlie, yourself, isn't it? Loads of people from different countries in it. And it's a real moment. It's what I call documentary filmmaking is in the moment. So when we look back at this film in 20 years time, it's actually as it's happening. The news is on them days and it's like, this is what happened. This, and you can see me knowing that it's mad, but then you can see other people reacting to it. And it was the real start. It was the day we locked down. I started filming it on my phone. And within two, three weeks, I'd finished all the interviews because I knew what was happening. And I knew this was, yeah. we got to grab it. The funny thing is then we got chucked. So it's not on Iconic at the moment because if we could not allowed on the Apple app, so we can't have it on that one for misinformation. It's literally documenting what's happened a year and a half, nearly two years now before any of this has happened. So definitely my favorite film because it's proper filmmaking. But what I love about one of the, just before I go about the PCR, I'm sorry about the, the, the vaccine, what no one's asking it's always made me laugh from day one. So you're telling me this vaccine can't stop you getting it and can't stop you passing on. So what's the benefit? The only benefit is that it makes you less, um, your symptoms will be less. Will you tell me how many less symptoms I can get than none? Because most people are asymptomatic. So unless you're like uh, like one louder from, I can't remember that film where he turns up the volume one louder in the, in the mockumentary. What Spinal is it called? Tap. Spinal Tap. One louder. So you want to get one less than none, do you? Brilliant. So you're less ill than none ill. And also, if we're all individual human beings with all individual symptoms, how can you tell me how ill I might have got unless I live in two virtual realities at the same time? So I live in Richard 1 and Richard 2 lives in this reality and didn't take it. And Richard 1 lives in this reality and did take it. Then you can compare me. But you can't compare me because you won't know what hell ill I would have got without or with it because it's fucking nonsense. 
So that's not science. That's a belief system. That's religion. That's, that's scientism. Quantum entanglement. That's quantum bullshit. It's, <laughs> it's unquantifiable nonsense. It is. And you, yeah, it, it's like saying if you'd have gone down that road, you'd have got hit by that car. But if you'd gone down that road, you wouldn't. Lucky you went down this road. What the fuck are you talking about? It's, I, I, it's madness. So many times when people say, oh, it would have been much worse if I wasn't vaccinated. I'm like, how the fuck do you know that? You don't know that. No, you don't know. But what you do know is you've got lipid nanoparticles in your arsehole. And then for the next six next year, they'll be there. And the more you keep bunging in it, the more you're going to have. You won't know how ill you would have got. Yes, if you're over 70 and, and you've got respiratory illnesses and you've got comorbidities that might make you susceptible to it, go ahead and get it. But if you haven't, the likelihood of getting this is tiny amount if even if you know you've got it when do we have an illness that doesn't make you sick how can you be sick without being sick you're sick oh, i don't feel sick yeah and you probably never will feel sick but you've got sick someone told you that hiv never made you ill and you'd never know you got it would you care if you had hiv or not you just go well all right okay that's fine or oh, you might pass it on to others well what's my viral load Oh, we can't tell you anything about viral load because that would give the game away. Oh, so you don't know the viral load of COVID at all. Then, So what is the viral load? No one asked this question. Tell me what the viral load is to, to make it to the point where you can pass it on to others because it has to we'll be a viral load. Tell you in 58 load. years. Tell you in 58 years when most people have had the vaccine and we're all sort of cyber robot people. It's madness. You're not telling me about viral load. Why is no one asking about viral load? If you keep pumping the PCR test up, you're going to find it. But if you told me what the viral load is, you would set the PCR test to say how many cycles you can have and what you need to find it have for it to be to the point where it's a worry. You've got no category here to do actually. I mean, I'm not a medical person, but I can understand that there has to be a load that has to be to the point where it's worrying that you could pass it on. If you've got HIV, you can take medicines to stop you passing it on to other people and you can still have children because your viral load has changed. So... Just because you've got HIV doesn't mean you can't have kids or unprotected sex with a partner. You change your viral load. And if you've got less, less of a viral load, you're able to have kids and, and do that. The same would be the purpose with this. If it's a virus, you need to know the viral load to understand how passable, how transmissible it is. But they don't talk about viral load because they can't tell you because that would give the game away. So how can you tell me how ill I might not got if you don't even know the viral load that makes me ill? Don't. It, it's just madness. And, I, and that's madness. what. And I would like like. So I ask these questions to, to Dr. McCullen and Malone, because why no one talking about viral load? Why is no one talking about the understanding of what, what is the viral load to be transmissible? And how can you tell me how ill I might have been if I haven't had it? How can you tell me that? This is an impossible, magical storyland. Like these are kind, kind of common sense questions, I thought, but, but you can't tell me how ill I might have been because I don't live in two, two realities at the same time. It's mad. It's, it's totally mad. It's saying, don't, if you're not married, Karen, you might marry Susan and she would have been a lot better. She's got much better boobs. You're going, I don't know. I never met Susan. I ended up marrying Karen. I'd end up on my own if I second guessed everything I did. It's just like, why is there no, like, and I do think comedy is a great way of pointing out the insanity of these things because it's just absurd. So and I've got to go. But I mean, guys, it's been an absolutely fantastic chat to you guys. It's just, guys, what, house can we all just create an island of just away from this fucking place because we would all get on all right just leave us alone you could have your transhumanist technocracy cities we'll go live near the seaside 
fuck off. Give us the Isle of Wight. We'll go live on the Isle of Wight. That'd be fun. Yeah. Okay. I can live with that. It's all surrounded by water, so you can defend it from all sides. It's a great strategy. No, I, I think humor. I mean, that's all I almost do laugh because when, like you said, so much of this makes no sense. And when people say things like, oh, but you're not a doctor, you're not. I'm like, listen, I know I need to put gas in a fucking car to make it move. It doesn't. <laughs> I'm not a mechanic, but that's common yeah. sense, right? Like if it's on E and it's not running, it's probably gas. Oh, how can I diagnose a car if I'm not a mechanic? Right. I mean, I'm such an idiot. No, it's like, no, this stuff makes like no logical sense you know even the pcr thing like there's all these cases nobody's talking about how many cycles of pcr test how do we know we didn't just they didn't just ramp it up everybody's assuming it's a new variant but how many of these cases could be the old variant we're not even sure which variant it is like nobody's asking these questions because this the is answer- the point what's happened to the old variant and also isn't it that if they take away one of the three um was it the three is it not spike proteins is the three um was it the free genes that they have to get? The D, so if they're taking away the S gene, so it usually has to eat three to be a positive, but now they've taken away the S gene. So if you get two, you've got Omicron, but that used to be a negative, but now it's been redesignated as Omicron because it's only two. It's like, but that used to be a negative with the other ones, but they only know it's not the other ones because you haven't got all three. But that, that doesn't mean <laughs> that that's this one. That means that it's not them ones. Oh, but yeah, but it must be this one because you've got a sniffle. You might have the flu. It's just, I mean, I've seen several people say that about the about the S gene being missing and not hitting all three primers. It's primers, by the way. So, come stop on, stop testing, stop testing, stop fucking doing the test. I don't. Wh- right. Why even test? I could care less. Like, I don't. I, I, I mean, people can come over to my house if they have the sniffles. Like, they don't need to get tested. I don't care. Like. Share your antibodies. I don't care. I'm like, get get us partially sick because then I'm good to go forever. You know, it's- that's it. I've never had a test. I've never had a vaccine. I've had a cold this last week. My little boys had a cold. My partner's had a cold. It's the winter. Yeah. So you think yeah. everybody's yeah. right now. I mean, my, my wife's cousin in Florida is super sick. She has all the symptoms of uh, COVID and she went to uh, get tested multiple times and it keeps coming up negative and i'm like oh my god there's other sicknesses that get you sick oh my god I so just... she going there she's hoping to, to hit it it's like fucking hell how sick do i have to get before i get it yeah <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing i mean well and if you keep testing it, it well i think people just were so obsessed with this one virus that people just assume like we almost forgot that other people got sick prior to 2020 with other viruses. I mean, the flu is a motherfucker of a, you know, of a cold. I mean, you can get really sick from the flu and be bedridden. So it's just, it, it just, yeah, it boggles my mind. I'm hoping 2022 we can finally stop talking about COVID eventually and then start uh, exposing the facade that is climate change. <laughs> yeah. I just want to talk about fucking the Illuminati bloodlines again. I want to go back to the good old days that we talked about Bohemian Grove. <clears throat> me too yeah. i mean why listen i i miss epstein i'm not gonna lie i miss the conversation around epstein can we just yeah. go back to that <laughs> conversation still going because we want to talk about i know a, i know of a court case i mean they're just uh, I'm, I'm like wait i don't even understand like why are they showing these pictures like how what does this have to do with i mean it, it's just it, it's theater the whole uh epstein thing and I, I I just feel like if some people haven't got red pilled with Epstein and the COVID thing, they're gonna be fucking not happen forever. 
you know, uh, just keep taking that Viagra pill. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rich, for coming. I'll talk to you. Um, I'll talk. I'll send you an email this week. Unapologetically fly. No wonder why. That's just my attitude. Yeah. Okay. Hey, that's just my. Uh, 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 come on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh.